This is an audio reading from the book Stories from the Messengers, Owls, UFOs, and a Deeper Reality by Mike Cleland. It is published by Richard Dolan Press and read by the author. Just so folks know, I have been hard at work recording an audio version of the second book, Stories from the Messengers. It's a bit shorter, a little bit less intimidating, so I'm doing that book first. My plan is to follow that up with an audiobook of the larger book, The Messengers, which was published back in 2015. The chapter here, titled Adrian and Owls, is about 20 minutes long. It's one of the shorter chapters in the book, but it's a good representation of the tone and the mood of the book. Now, there's something that happens in this chapter that, uh, that represents Adrian's direct experience. She talks about her own Christian faith in this chapter. Now, this was sort of new territory for me. I hadn't really written about someone's faith like this ever before, really. And I just felt it was important to honor her story and to be faithful to what she had shared with me. This audio excerpt is about 20 minutes long. Please enjoy. Chapter 10 Adrian and Owls I received a message from a friend, Adrian Dumas, on the evening of July 3rd, 2013. She sent it via Facebook after reading my initial essay about owls and UFOs, which had been posted earlier that same day. She wrote, I totally just saw the owl. I went outside and called my boyfriend on the phone, Sean, the ufologist, and no joke, I saw the owl. It was off in the distance in a big tree, but I saw it fly up into the tree and I could see it sitting on a branch. I was telling Sean, oh my God, I just read Mike's essay. Her own experiences with owls and UFOs were featured in the very essay she was commenting on. This written work was the genesis of what eventually became the big book, The Messengers. I immediately recognized the synchronicity of her seeing an owl right after reading her own story of seeing owls. I've spoken at length with Adrian about her experiences. She shared a story with me of a big owl swooping down over the windshield of her car, startling both her and her mother. This happened in the middle of the day while driving in rural Arizona. Her immediate thought was, I knew it was some kind of sign that my life was going to change. A few weeks later, she met a UFO investigator named Sean. They are now engaged to be married. Adrian has had other curious owl experiences. She told me about an owl living right over her at a point in her life when she was repeatedly seeing UFOs. I needed to ask what she meant when she said the owl was living over her. At the time, she was working on an organic farm in southern Arizona and living nearby in a small RV alongside a row of trees. She would often see an owl on a branch directly above her little home. She said, whenever I would walk up to my house, that owl would watch me. It was eerie. Sometimes it gave me the creeps, but I felt honored to have it live so near me. Something strange took place while Adrian was alone in that RV. It happened at around 2.30 in the morning while chatting on her computer with a friend who shared her fascination for UFOs. At that same time, her friend was reading a book about a woman having a spiritual connection with gray aliens. She described what happened next. 
I looked out the window and I swear I saw what appeared to be a UFO parked in the field across from my house. She was looking at a row of six extremely bright lights in the adjoining farmer's field. What she was seeing was far too bright to be from a car or a tractor. While looking out the window, she watched as a car drove down the road between her and the field. It stopped for a moment as if observing the lights and then moved on. She could gauge the glow of the car headlights in the foreground compared to the row of much brighter lights in the background. The car lights seemed normal, but there was something very strange about those other lights. She sat there, staring at them for about 15 minutes, and then, as I was looking at them, they were suddenly gone. This sighting left her feeling frightened. She sensed the greys were somehow related to those bright lights, and there was a message from the experience. The event seemed to be telling her, we are real. Adrian didn't sleep that night. She had an eerie feeling of being watched. The next day, she went out into the field to see if there were any tracks or imprints, but she didn't find anything unusual. She had another impressive sighting while living in that spot. It happened in full daylight with her brother Josh as they drove towards the farm where Adrian's RV was parked. They saw a large, old-fashioned military cargo plane flying really low to the ground, leaving a trail of thick black smoke. It was close enough that she could see rust stains on the old fuselage. Adrian laughed out loud and said, Maybe it will land at the farm, and Mulder and Scully will get out. She made an X-Files joke, because something about the low-flying plane seemed so strange. The moment she made that comment, six shiny, saucer-shaped craft appeared in the sky. The objects were completely frozen and seemed to be hovering directly over the farm where her RV was parked. Adrian and her brother had an odd reaction to those silvery disks. They were both giddy and laughing. She described feeling absolutely ecstatic at seeing these UFOs and said, It was one of the most joyful and happy moments of my life. When they got to a stop sign near her home, they realized that the craft were gone. Neither saw them fly off, and in that moment, Adrian thought they might have switched on some sort of cloaking device. There was something peculiar about their sighting of the old military plane. I could hear a sort of awe in her voice as she spoke about seeing this aircraft. There was a heightened vividness in her descriptions, the black smoke flying so low and seeing the rust on the fuselage. All this sounded curiously intense, as if she were describing the details of a vivid dream. I have to wonder if this old plane could be some sort of screen memory. It's also odd that her comment about the X-Files would mark the instantaneous appearance of the silvery disks. There might be something more at play than just a UFO sighting. Adrian had two UFO experiences while living at that farm. The one at night freaked her out, and in contrast, the daylight sighting was joyous. During that same time, an owl was seen regularly perched over her home, and it felt eerie she was seeing it so often. Abductees will often tell of an owl taking up residence close to their home, often right outside their bedroom window, and at a time of heightened contact. I don't understand why this happens. All I know is that this same story shows up again and again. This includes a palpable unease about the presence of these owls. There's more to Adrian's experiences. As a young girl, at around 11 years old, she had an intense sighting along with her entire family. This incident began with her mother while she was driving at night in the family van. She was alone, 
except for their dog. Adrian's mother saw an enormous bright light in the sky, and at that same moment the van's engine stopped. The light was so brilliant that her mother actually thought she was dying, and this was the light of heaven. She gasped, This is my time. She soon realized she was seeing some sort of enormous, saucer-shaped craft. As the giant object slowly moved away, the engine started again on its own, and she raced home. The dog was terrified as she drove, whining and cowering under the back seat of the van. The craft was hovering over their neighborhood when she burst into the house and exclaimed, There's a UFO! At that moment, Adrian was watching TV. It was an episode about UFOs on unsolved mysteries, and her first thought was that her mother was making a joke. But when the family went outside, they all saw the gigantic craft gliding away in the nighttime sky. She described this saucer-shaped object as moving eerily slow as well as spinning in a strange way. There were red and blue lights slowly rotating around the exterior and bottom of the craft. Adrian was mesmerized by the sight of this huge object. Both her parents were terribly distressed, and this is something she had never seen before, and it scared her. They then all watched several military helicopters approaching the craft. Adrian said that these helicopters seemed to lose power as they approached the saucer-shaped object, so much so that they needed to retreat to stay aloft. The event above her was close enough that she could hear the sound of the helicopter engines fizzle as they got closer and returned to normal as they eased away. The huge object and the helicopters eventually moved beyond their line of sight. So we have three different UFO events, each directly foreshadowed by something she was saying or doing. Adrian was reading a UFO book while chatting with a friend with a keen interest in UFOs when she saw the lights across from her RV. She made an X-Files joke before seeing the six discs with her brother, and she was watching a TV show about UFOs when her mom burst into the house exclaiming about a UFO. Adrian has a few other odd stories. While living with her mother, she was in her room getting ready to go to sleep when their dog began barking. Then all the dogs in the neighborhood began barking. She was struck with a really sick feeling in her stomach, when all of a sudden she heard something strange above her. It was a sort of groaning washing machine sound, a repeating, vroom, vroom. Then it all suddenly changed. The noise was gone, the dog stopped barking, and she felt fine, and everything was back to normal. Within minutes, her brother John called and asked, Did you see the weird lights over the dry lake? The dry lake is about a mile from her mom's front yard. Everyone in Adrian's family seems to have had strange experiences, and they talk about them when they get together. Her sister Kimber shared something unusual at a recent holiday visit. She told everyone that whenever she hears a certain tone, she is overcome with a sudden vision of a giant gray alien woman pointing its long, skinny finger at her. When her brother John heard this, he said the exact same thing happens to him. Then they both described the tone as the sound of the electric swamp cooler from the back of the house where they had grown up. It made a very specific tone when it was switched on, and any similar noise will trigger the same memory in her brother and sister. They both recognized this as very strange, and each described the giant alien woman as being both vivid and dreamlike. Curiously, Adrian had been collecting stories about giants. This interest began after her own dreams of a giant man. This was before she heard the near-identical accounts from her siblings. 
After hearing all this, I had to ask Adrian the big question. Do you think you are a UFO abductee? She answered no. She was clear that she has no conscious memory of anything like being aboard a craft. She puts herself in the maybe category by declaring, I do believe I have been contacted in some way or another. She went on to say that all her sightings and dreams seemed to imply as much. The next question I asked was how she would describe her sense of mission. She actually didn't understand what I was asking. I need to add that at the time she was running something called the Fairies and Angels Network. This was a collection of websites, podcasts, online videos, and, until recently, a paper magazine, all focused on New Age spirituality. So, asking Adrian about a sense of mission was like asking a fish about water. She said, I can't even imagine not doing what I'm doing. It's just how I am. I've been like this as long as I can remember. Adrian radiates a glow of sincerity, so this was the answer I expected. Her kind-hearted nature seems entirely genuine, and it has colored her work. All of her online sites were filled with flowery adjectives along with pastel images of angels and unicorns. This is the kind of stuff that would make a nuts-and-bolts researcher cringe, and I'm certain the hardcore pragmatics would dismiss her websites as silly, but I'm not so quick to judge. I saw her sentimental output as something heartfelt, an honest reflection of her spirit. Like so many others connected to these UFO experiences, Adrian worked as a psychic and healer. She provided services such as angelic readings and private energy healings. So again, we have a maybe person who has had multiple UFO experiences, some of them with an owl directly above her home. Even though she doesn't say as much, she is acting like a UFO abductee by sharing her truth so openly. Our initial contact took place after I saw a YouTube video where she spoke about the UFO and the owl above her trailer. We've spoken on the phone many times for this research, and she's always been very helpful. I would visit her website, listen to her podcast, and watch her videos. She's interviewed her family about their UFO sightings, and these audio postings helped me with this chapter. I would occasionally use her guided meditations, which were very simple and peaceful. They had the tone of an elementary school teacher reading a storybook aloud, and there was something about her voice that was almost hypnotic. We've been friends on Facebook for nearly a decade, and this has allowed me to follow her life. I've seen pictures of Adrian walking her daughter to school, and saw the evolution of her relationship with Sean, from their initial meeting to their engagement. I also saw a sudden change on Adrian's Facebook page. All the New Age stuff abruptly ended, and it was replaced with posts about Christianity. This surprised me, but I also sensed a similar enthusiasm in her newfound devotion to Christ, echoing the intensity of her New Age beliefs. I contacted her with the same question from four years earlier when I first spoke with her about her owl experiences. I asked her about her sense of mission. She replied, Oh man, at this time I am not sure what my mission is anymore, but I do still feel it is related to spirituality and God. When I left the New Age, even though I feel it was right, I went into a temporary depression because I lost my sense of purpose, and I am rediscovering my purpose in Christ. She quoted a Bible passage. In Romans 6, 8, it says, Now if we died with Christ, we believed that we will also live with him. I literally feel like my old purpose died. It was a worldly purpose, but covered up in spirituality. 
What I mean by that is everything I believed and taught was a sugar-coated, feel-good message that the world loves. The world does not love the message, take up your cross. She used the term sugar-coated to describe her New Age beliefs, and that's a perfectly accurate way to describe her previous sight. The imagery was mermaids and fairies floating around in waterfalls and rainbows. Her old website had a healthy following with paying subscribers who would contact her for private oracle readings or long-distance Reiki. But her longtime clientele wasn't very understanding with her newfound Christianity. She said, I took up the cross. I was also crucified by the people who had followed me because, well, they didn't like that I had changed. I really don't blame them for being in shock or feeling like they had been conned or something. When I was into the New Age, I believed in it 100%. Everything I taught, I believed. Adrian went on to say, I used to be very anti-religion. I was tolerant towards people, but I used to think the world would be better off without religion. I didn't realize the New Age is pretty religious itself. She laughed. The change began with something unassuming. She would often see an image of St. Therese of Lesseur, which was painted on the back of a truck parked in her neighborhood. She was curious about it and told me, I looked up information about her online and started to say her rose prayer, and roses started to appear in my life. I also read her book, The Story of a Soul, which really touched me. St. Therese, also known as the Little Flower, was a Roman Catholic nun who died in 1897 from tuberculosis at the young age of 24. She is best known today for her spiritual memoir, The Story of a Soul. Published after her death, this book became a modern spiritual classic. Alongside St. Francis of Assisi, she is one of the most popular saints in the history of the Church. Adrian said of St. Therese, She helped me. I had said to her and to God that I wanted to completely surrender to God. I ordered my first rosary and started to pray with it daily, even though, at the time, I didn't believe in the theology. Adrian began to lose interest in the channeled books and New Age teachings that had been the focus of her life, yet she was still doing readings, Reiki, and dowsing for hire. She started reading the Bible, something she hadn't done for many years. She said, It just hit me like a ton of bricks. The feeling of conviction was so strong that it nearly knocked me over. I just knew that the Word of God, the Scripture, was true, that Jesus wasn't just an ascended master, but that he was and is literally God. I cried my eyes out knowing that I had turned away from him for so long. As a girl, Adrian went to church and read the Bible with her parents, but set aside this aspect of her life as a young adult. Curiously, it was Adrian's interest in UFOs that played a role in her returning to Christianity. She had been studying ancient megaliths and from there began to research the myths of giants and floods. These topics brought her back to the Bible. Adrian is still very interested in UFOs and the paranormal, she says, but I am leaning more towards various Christian viewpoints on these issues. So my interest in them hasn't changed, though my perspective on what these things could be is now different. She is aware that within organized Christianity, there are divergent opinions. Some say all ETs are demons, while the Roman Catholic Church has publicly addressed the idea of baptizing aliens. She said, I do worry that the New Agers are believing too much in alien saviors, and I worry that if they do arrive and try to convince us that we need them, that it could be the darkest deception of our time. Adrian's life was thrown into turmoil because of her conversion. 
She had spent years building up a career and then let it all go with her new spiritual beliefs. At the same time, she lost her home and ended up spending months back in Arizona living with her mother. On her first day back home, she visited her father on his organic farm. He said there had been a wounded owl in the same spot where she had been living with the owl in the tree above her trailer. Her father called an animal rescue service from Tucson, but by the time they had arrived, the owl was gone. Adrian said, The day I arrived at the farm, the owl was back and looked healed. Very interesting. I had gone through a lot over the past eight months, so coming home to visit family felt healing. It almost seemed like the owl mirrored me. She referred to a Bible quote, Matthew 6.26, from the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus refers to birds and tells his followers not to worry about their life. Look to the birds of the air. They do not reap or sow or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Adrian said, God took care of that wounded owl, and he's taking care of me. That's a very comforting thought. That was an audio reading from the book Stories from the Messengers read by the author, me, Mike Cleland. Uh, This book should be available on Audible at some point soon, and I'm sharing it here in the hopes of giving listeners uh, a taste of the audiobook. Uh, It will be published by Richard Dolan Press and available on Audible within the next few months. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now.